You're listening to What's Up Digital Lending, the podcast that explores the exciting world of digital lending. We make a deep dive into the most important issues and talk to the leading minds of the ecosystem. Welcome, everyone. My guest today in this episode number five of What's Up Digital Lending is Andy Buri. He is one of the founders of Loanbooks and Countryhead Switzerland. My name is Konstantin Fabricius and I am the host of this podcast. Loanbooks is a platform for public sector borrowers such as municipalities. Investors are mostly institutional such as pension funds, insurers and a few banks. Already more than 3,000 transactions have been closed in 12 European countries. It's a pleasure to have you here, Andy. Welcome. Thank you, Konstantin. First of all, I want to thank you to conduct this podcast with myself and Loanbooks. It's a great honor. I'm very happy to tell you a bit more about myself and the journey we've been on so far. Thank you. Great to have you here, Andy. Now pay attention, please. The content of this podcast is expressly not to be considered investment advice, but is intended solely for your information. We do not assume any liability and will not share any profits. Andy, may I ask you to introduce yourself? Who are you? And please tell us a bit about your professional career. Yes, very happy to do that. I thought I'll do it this a little bit differently than the normal introductions that you might know. Don't be too much surprised. Imagine the following. Blue sky, blue water, strong winds. A kite is dancing in the wind above me and I'm riding on my kiteboard through the breathless scenery of Lago di Como. That's me when I'm not at work. My name is Andy Buri. I'm a father of two wonderful kids of nine and 11 years old. I'm an engineer and now I've become an entrepreneur. Some of my key values that I strongly believe in and I strive to live after every day are the following. And I bring them because they somehow are important to me and also yeah, characterize myself a bit by now. First one is the only constant in life is change. Second one, innovation solves problems. I'm very much, I very much believe in that. It also can potentially bring some problems, but it rather solves problems. I believe in hard on the facts, soft on the people. I think it's important in conversations, exchanges in general. And I also believe in basically the principle of hire and work together with talent and attitude, trained for skill. So attitude is more important than what you've known already because you can learn everything if you really want to. That's a little bit of context to who I am and how I tick. In terms of the professional career, the red thread in my career is, I would call really digital business transformation. I love to be at the intersection of human expertise blended with the possibility that technology provides to improve processes and generate value. I've discovered this passion early on when even before I studied, when I had first interactions with you know, my technology, I then studied telecommunication engineering at the Swiss Technology Institute in Lausanne and in Spain for an exchange year. I then started my career at Accenture, which I then followed by an MBA, a full-time MBA in St. Gallen at Hoiske and in Singapore. And then after that, I worked for um, the internal strategy consulting division of large insurance companies, Zurich Insurance, and followed by different roles, which are really around this red thread that I mentioned, business transformation, change management, all those elements. 
before I then joined Lonebooks. And Lonebooks I joined because I got to know Stefan Willimann, the founder, during my MBA in, in St. Gallen and kept in touch. And then he asked me to join this journey. Okay, thank you. So we have something very important in common because I studied in Lausanne as well. And this is where I met my wife ah. back in 97. Nice. So yes, a great university and it was really a very great time. Yes, thank you very much for the introduction. Could you perhaps elaborate a little bit on why exactly you guys founded Lone Books? What was the need for having loan books on stage? Yes, very happy to do that. As I said, I'm one of the co-founders. The idea originally was, yeah, um, Stefan Mühlemann had the, the idea, my, my other co-founder. We were actually three at the beginning together with Dario Zog. And we embarked on this vision to, to leverage the platform thought or the platform economy principle, a platform economy also for this big ticket debt market. And the vision we had then and still have is we believe that an efficient and a fair debt management market contributes to, to betterness in all regards, basically. And why we started with the public sector segment, and I'm now going a little bit deeper into the business model, it actually... There was a, a master plan behind that, and I tried to elaborate that a little bit here because I think it's, it helps to, to understand a bit better where we come from and why we did what we've done so far. And I tried to do that a bit in simplistical terms, and then we can go more into more technical terms. But basically, step number one, start with AAA kind of credit, e.g. public debt. Why? Because when a borrower has a AAA rating, obviously in AAA rating, then the creditworthiness assessment process is rather simple. If the credit assessment process is rather simple, then it can be more easily standardized. And when it can be easier standardized, it can be more easily put in a digital process and in a marketplace. So that was the logic of step one, public debt, where we started. Obviously, in that market, there's huge volumes, obviously small margins because the risk reward. So AAA means high, low risk and therefore low margins. And this business is actually done by the large institutional investors, the banks, the insurance companies, the pension funds, not either to, you know, to put some of the funds in somehow very secure counterparties, just to kind of park it, but also from a basically regulatory perspective or so, more LCR or Hawkeye type of investment. So Basel III, instead of doing repo business, they, they put some of the money in sub-sovereign, basically the public debt hold to maturity kind of like counterparty. So it's not really to make yield or margin. It's rather, yeah, from that perspective. But still for us, it allowed us to basically onboard the institutional investors banks, insurance companies, pension funds, maybe more the treasury departments of them at the beginning. And to onboard an institutional investor, that's a lengthy process, takes time. We then launched step two, which is the public near segment, which is close to public segment. It's, it, for example, it's, you know, sewage water, transport, hospitals, elderly homes, energy, those kinds of things, which are in the infrastructure domain of the public, public sphere where the legal company form, it can be a private entity or an association or a stiftung. But, and basically the investor looks at that and sees a certain yield. They also have typically a yield. They try to be positive or basically at zero. But there's a father and or a mother in that, in, in that 
borrower that is a public entity. And the creditworthiness that is then being assessed is a function of the yield that is being generated by that entity, but also by guarantees, either explicit or implicit, that the mother or the father entails, which is why it's still considered very or pre pretty basically uh, secure as a counterparty risk. And the third step that we have now launched for one and a half years is income producing real estate segment, which is mortgage-based financing for large real estate funds, real estate companies, social housing associations. Here, the security obviously is the Schuld brief. So you have a mortgage certificate and a certain LTV, a certain debt to rate, debt to value indebtedment, which is regulated. So the whole, to, why did I tell you all that? So what we do is basically financing execution management. So we try to blend human intelligence and expertise in the financing process with technology and to make the whole process more efficient, of a higher quality with better conditions resulting out of that process, more market data, more transparency, an automated audit trail, etc. That's all elements that technology brings to that process. Some of our users use that service as a self-service. If it's super simple, a municipality can do it by themselves. Others, we use the tool, but the customer has at all time access to that. And, and that brings values for both sides, for the borrowers and the investors. And along the journey, we obviously, when you go from AAA to a bit more complex, it's also need to structure a bit more. We call that dress the bride. So basically, we know exactly what investors are looking for when looking at a bride or a borrower opportunity. So basically, to put that in the data room, to structure it, to, to make it easy for the investors to, to do the assessment, do the credit worthiness assessment. That's something, obviously, we also try to do. And in that, we, we can we put in the mix some advice, some structuring, some financing strategy or simulation, which we can do also everything tech-based and supported by the platform. And lastly, but that's an important element now, we realize that one thing is financing, the other one is life cycle management. So once you have your debt finance and stuff like that, you obviously need to do reporting, covenants monitoring, stuff like that. And we realized most of them, they have that all non-digital, paper-based, Excel sheet, maybe custom built. So we said, we do have these loans like in a machine-readable element. So it's logical to build a portfolio tool. So we basically built a portfolio tool which allows reporting, monitoring, covenants, elements, simulation, those kinds of things, which then somehow round up the whole life cycle from financing to debt monitoring to then financing again. And that's basically the result of the seven last seven years of loan books where we are right now. And in principle, that journey must not end here. So there's more stuff that in the, along the financing execution management segment that one could imagine that basically we can support to improve with our platform and with our expertise. I, ho I hope that gives some somehow a, a round picture of the Lombok story so far. Yes, absolutely. Thank you very much. This was really very comprehensive. And there is one important question left that we all need to know about loan books. Where does the name come from? <laughs> yes, that's a good question. All right. So basically, loan books in German, it's the loan book, or it's basically the location in the annual report where you put in the past, you have put in writing. That's why you write your counterparty debts. And then we said that it needs to be English, right? So not loan book, but loan books. Then X stands for transaction and is a bit sexier. So that somehow it's not one book, but it's several books. So somehow that is somehow the story behind the name loan books written with two O's and with an X. 
because it looks funnier. It's it somehow has the X and it's, it sounds like books, but actually it's written differently. And as in marketing, something that is a bit strange sticks more to, to your brain. So that's basically secret sauce. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Very interesting. And I have seen on your website that you're around in a lot of countries in Europe. And in how many countries are you sitting today? Yes. So we started, obviously, we're a Swiss company, Swiss company. Quite early, we, we were thinking that this big ticket that market is actually, you know, is global or European. We should go quickly to other countries, Germany. We then went to Germany, Austria, doch, of course, of the German language. We also pretty quickly went to France. We have a, we have a, an office there. We have one in Frankfurt. Uh, and we also included somehow Liechtenstein and the Netherlands. So in terms of the scope, we have done transactions in more countries in Europe, but that's not... So we basically, we also have a product. We have developed a product I mentioned. I didn't really mention that before, is some of our customers use us basically as the kind of like financing marketplace or financing mandate, a company on. And we have also developed this marketplace as a software as a service solution. So for the very professional ones to say, look, I don't need an advice. I know the financing execution process. I need a tool that supports me. We do give our platform in a white label form to them under another brand. And it's called Fincetra. And D, we have customers that have used that and are using that more and more. And they have done transactions in actually, I think it's about 16 countries in Europe by far. So Eastern Europe and, and Portugal and stuff like that. So that is basically done with our technology, but under this kind of like software as a service product name. That's why when you go on the pad, on the pla on the marketplace or on the website, you do find quite a few countries that we have exposure to already. But we have seats in France, in Germany, and we work together with a partner in uh, in Austria. Okay, great. And how many employees do you have all over today? So we are around 35-ish or so. So not a huge number. We've been growing quite a bit. But we realized also that it's, yeah, so we it's basically training your employees and also you improve quite a bit. And it's the technology that scales basically our business to a large extent. So obviously we're going to be more people I guess, in the future. But for now, it's really about the technology and the blend of people to technology that allows us to scale the business. Okay, thank you. Yes, let's drill a little bit deeper into your business model. And could you perhaps tell us a little bit more about the how your, how your platform works? And I would like to start with a legal perspective. What can you tell us about the contractual relationship Who contracts with whom and what role plays loan books in between? Yes, exactly. So basically, we so we are marketplace or a company on, as I said before, doing conducting financing execution management. We are not part of the money flow as such, and we are not part of the contract. We are, I always say we are like the medium. We are basically the thing that makes the whole financing process smooth efficient, reliable, high quality with automated audit trails, etc., etc., for the financing process, and then very smooth when it comes to the, the reporting and the lifecycle management. But we are not part of the contract as such, so we are the enabler. And with that, it's important we're also, we're not in competition with the banks or the insurance companies or the pension funds. We see ourselves really as partners in that, 
because we cannot give money. We, we don't have these products that our customers on the investor side have. We are a partner that help in that process. That's very important to us. So you are rather some kind of matchmaking platform than crowd lending platform. Exactly. Is, would this be correct or not? Yes, exactly. So we are basically, except we are matchmaking and we are basically conducting the support during the financing execution process. But the money doesn't flow over our accounts. It's also quite huge sums, <laughs> to be honest, in our business. And we are, for example, the crowd sourcing platforms, they, they need to do the collecting of the money because it's a lot of very small amounts and wouldn't be efficient. So that's why they need to run it through their accounts. With us, it's basically starting at three, five million, something or maybe one million. So that, that is, we are the matchmaker. But we, we facilitate the information needed in the closing process. So when it comes to KYC for the banks, we have certain documents from the onboarding that we help to facilitate. We try, as I said, we try to make that process as smooth as possible. And the interesting thing is we learn every day new stuff. So we consider our methodology to basically improve the platform of the processes. It's also a buzzword, but it's hacking growth. So every customer interaction to my team, I say, you're not only supporting the customer, You're also the ear on the ground and on the floor, and you try to understand where the pain points are. You come back to me. We discuss together with the product team and the tech people that are sitting here. How can we improve the process, be it either by features, by services, by data? And that's how we basically have been growing the whole, the whole platform since day one. So in that regard, yes. That's what okay. By the end of the day, you are a digital lender in its best sense, as you bring together the interests of institutional investors with the interests of borrowers. Yes, absolutely understood. Exactly. Yes, the initial idea of founding loan books had pretty much to do with tackling deficiencies in the municipal loan business. And as we have heard now from you, you took step two and three and you identified deficiencies uh, all the more. But let's stick first on step number one. How far have you guys got as regards your core business where you started with? Yes. So public sector still is the foundation of where we come from and will always be because it's, it's the high volumes, the big tickets, and it's where basically automation, you can, can drive automation to the most when basically two parties involved in the matchmaking also are interested in doing that. So I would say in Switzerland, now we can go through countries, but in Switzerland, I think we have also when we talk some numbers afterwards, we are probably quite a relevant player by now. Many municipalities know us, rely on us, be it to financing for debt monitoring, for advice, strategy elements or data, water rates and stuff like that. And we also try to do a newsletter that are very that is somehow very close to the needs of the financing person in a municipality because we try to understand how they think. <laughs> We, I myself have become an audit committee member of my municipality that I live. I've been elected by the people living in my town because oh, I was. I thought, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was interesting to really understand the other side better because it's a certain way that obviously you think I'm not a politi politician, but I do the audit of the accounts and stuff like that. So we try to, and that is the core of what we do and it will always be, and we try to always improve. In certain other countries, we're going to talk a bit in the, in the, in the minute. In Germany, it's the market is a little bit different. We thought it was maybe much easier. We have had good success, but then we took certain decisions to, to also scale quicker and stuff like that. We're going to talk about it in a minute. But so around that. In the public domain, 
best execution is what you'd expect because if a public city basically buys a new IT system or, or basically builds a new house, they need to go through this kind of like public tender process. So that's also why we started with that segment because we said you need to somehow have several offers and you want to somehow do competitive bidding. That's why it fits also well to, to that segment as a starting point. And that still is true. And we try to, for example, the compliance element. So we have automated somehow the compliance, basically protocol that comes out of a financing so that a customer of us, instead of writing a protocol at the end of the financing round, and yeah, I have asked these, and that is the reason why I chose that counterparty. And these are the many investors that I asked, and this is the many investors that I looked at the financing, and this is what I got as offers. All that is automated. So he doesn't need to do anything. It's one click, which is elements of his regulatory and elements in the public domain, which we try to just continuously improve. Okay, let's stick a little bit to Switzerland before we go over to Germany, where the situation in fact is a little bit different. And how is how do municipalities react in general as regards fintechs? Why I mention this is that we in Germany have, let's say, a kind of tradition where municipalities like very much their good relationship with local banks such as Savings Bank. But how is the situation in Switzerland? As far as I have now understood, things seem to be slightly different. Is it? Yes. Yeah, it's a good point. And to be super honest, it's also something when you start a new company, and I'm obviously this is a talk between friends, but some people are listening to <laughs> us. But, <laughs> but obviously, you have a big dream and you have a certain hypothesis in your head and you think this is what is going to work rather than realize certain hypotheses that you had are not as you thought. So for example, the fact that you just mentioned the basically the strongness of the relationship Because it's something we definitely underestimated, and we're going to talk about it in a minute, maybe also when it comes maybe to Germany, but that is a strong element. And we, at the beginning, somehow were of the opinion, still are, but that the simple process that it just brings value to, the, to you, then is convincing enough to basically say, I still love, my, I have a good relationship but still have a tool that allows me to do the to do that in a more efficient way. So that's why when I said before, so that's maybe one of the key learnings. So we had at the beginning customers that are self-service customers that, you know, that like that very much, that they can do it whenever they want and they don't need to talk to someone. But that's one part of the segment. And there's many other sub personas, let's say, in the segment that they cherish advice, they cherish the personal relationship, they cherish the exchange much more. So that's why we adapted also our model to, you can choose if you want to use it self-service, but if not, you talk to me or to someone, to, to someone of us, and, but you still have the benefit of the digital tool in combination and orchestration with the person that is your relationship person when it comes to getting an efficient process, competition a bit more, audit trail and those elements. So that was a little bit the mind shift also we had to do along the journey. And I guess every entrepreneur knows that you never have a blueprint and you just execute. You really, you need to hit your head a few times and then obviously adapt over time to what you learn along the journey. Okay, and how do, or you mentioned that local banks react um, on your business model? Because I do not really know the situation in Switzerland, but I can imagine that it is almost the same and pretty much comparable to Switzerland or France, meaning that municipal financing is, yes, the field where they can earn good money. And how do they react when it comes to loan books and other competitors? 
<laughs> yes, and then again, it also has, but it has to do with what I said before, the way we basically approach maybe a little bit at the beginning, also and, and the services we are able to provide to the investor community and their loads. But at the beginning, obviously, they also grew. Beginning, it was access. Basically, for the investors, it's access to flow, to interesting flow. Now, when you know the municipality already, you say, I already know, so I don't need the flow because I know already I'm very close. But then you have market data about what kind of are the spreads that are being somehow, somehow paid. Then efficiency in terms of a high quality credit dossier, because if I have to ask seven times documents, then it's not efficient for me to work. So all those kinds of elements that we are able to also to bring to the investor community more and more. But of course, as you mentioned, and uh, in the particularly maybe in the public domain, that, that, that there's obviously relationship and that is important and we don't want to interfere with that. As I said, we see ourselves as enabler, as support entity, and that has been a challenge and still is to some extent. But as I said, I think the important message we are, I think, successfully conveying in Switzerland, in Austria and France, in Germany also, but a bit, sometimes a bit more difficult, and we talk about it in a minute, is that the relationship is there, will always be there, has been there before and is there afterwards. And we don't compete with that relationship, but we are supporting the process and making sure that you, let's be honest, because you, the relationship is also something I'm going to be very, very honest now, is obviously can also be misused because I, if I have a relationship with you, I tell, yeah, we, I know you and you trust me and everything's cool. But then also you can use that or misuse that to, to ask potentially for a higher margin. And that's what basically we just try to make sure that we can support to convey as well. Okay, okay. Now it's time to go over uh, the border and have a look on the German market. This is a dreadful situation, I would say. There, fintechs have encountered humongous problems in the field of municipal loan business. This went insolvent, a fintech from Munich. Capvirient focuses now rather on the French market today and Loanbooks has just merged its business with Comuno. What's up in Germany? <laughs> I ask you, you're German, I'm Swiss. No, obviously, you know, I've been start I also helping to build up the German market and our vision was at the beginning, as I said before, you go a bit euphoric and then you go to other countries and there's benefit, there's reasons why you do that. But and we said, look, Germany is 10 times bigger than Switzerland. The market is huge. We speak German, so same but different, maybe let's say. But it's actually not like that. Obviously, in Germany, the municipality business, as you said, you have obviously the Landesbank and you have the Sparkassen, you have a very local somehow ecosystem. Then you already have 10 brokerages that have been around that do the business for 10 years, like offline over the phone. Investors have brokerage lists. So they say, look, if I already have 10 names, I don't need another one, even though you have a business model of the future. So that is all like micro mechanics in the market that are a bit different from the Swiss market, which may plus the relationship element and, and also maybe the complexity in how a financing request needs to be done in Germany versus in, in Switzerland. It's more complex. You have more products, you have amortized and annuities, and you have all kinds of things which you all built, but it's more complex. So that made it diffic more difficult, yes, than also than we expected. And yes, that is a truth, right? So we've had quite some success, but at the end, we also collaborated with different players, broker houses and with banks, tried to do many collaborations, ideas, innovations, many things. And at the end of the day, we just felt at the end, we all want the same. We want uh, an improved digital process. And we somehow just said, uh, sometimes it's working together can be, can be more beneficial for all parties, including the municipalities. 
at the end of the day, the taxpayers, because, yeah, then you have somehow competition, but also for the institutional investors, because they don't might not want to board onto five platforms. Because at the beginning, they said, yeah, let's wait and see who is going to make it. And then we do basically the, in the investment to the one that is there. So that's somehow also in collaboration with the different, I mean, with Comuna at the end, we decide, take the, took the decision that it's actually for the municipality business, the best that we somehow join forces. To be honest, you can see this kind of development already in other parts of the digital lending business. For instance, as regards the bonded loans platforms, Schuldschein, Darlene. There we once, we once started, I don't know, like eight years ago or so, with more than 15 platforms. Today we have only three, and one of these three Frankfurt Fintech has just called out that there is only place for one. It's, it sounds a little bit like Highlander. We will, we will see where we end up. Yes. Hmm. Yes, I know. But on the other hand, a marketplace business lives of network effect. Look at Facebook and all those things, right? A marketplace inherently lives of that. It is not, as a business model, it's not a business where you have 20 players. You have few players that are large. That is the function or the result of the network business approach. That's also why we, if you want to succeed in a marketplace, you need to be quick. You need to be aggressive in growth because it's the mark, it's the network effects that, that basically ultimately is basically the magnet of, 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 and that's why what you say, I understand that and it's somehow disfortunate, but on the other hand, it's also somehow natural tendency to some extent. I, I actually do not think that this is the end of digital lending. It is the very beginning and it was Yeah, it has always been clear that there will be a phase where things get a different order and afterwards we will be seeing much clearer. And I think this is, in general, a good development. But what is Loanbook's business model in Germany today after you have merged your municipal finance business into Comuno? Yes. So as we had, I think also publicly announced, we talked about the three stages. So we know the three stages that I explained public near income producing real estate and basically the whole value chain we developed around that. It's the same for all markets. So in principle, so in Germany now, very specifically after the Comuna decision, we are We have been already since last year and are now with even stronger focus, very much focused on the income producing real estate segment. So that's where we where we are focused on and we are leveraging, I mean, in, we might be a little bit ahead, but we're leveraging all the learnings and pushing that market and have a significant good response. And that's what we basically are focusing on in Germany right now and still collaborating with Comuno on the public thing. But yeah. Okay, great. So thank you very much for looking on this side of the marketplace. Let's switch onto the other side and drill into the investor's perspective. What does the typical investor look like you have on your marketplace? Yes, as I said a bit before, so they are, it's not private people, it's institutional investors. So it's banks, insurance companies, pension funds, some asset managers, some maybe family offices, some few in some segments, corporate treasuries from large organizations. So really professional investors. And they are either, so insert like in the pension funds or so, they are basically doing all kinds of segments we facilitate, so public near and real estate, 
while in banks that are very more specialized. We then, within a bank, talk to the real estate department, to these kind of people in the public financing department, to, to, to another department. But that's basically the investment customers, investment side customers we have. And the services we bring to them, I think I mentioned before, but the services is flow. So we bring them interesting deal opportunities. We are very much focused on high quality credit dossier because we understand they have a lot of opportunities to invest. So what we try to do and we're getting better every day is we understand how they need, how to do their work. We provide, we try to provide them everything they need to do a smart decision quick. If it's a one round, two round process. Then the data room where they can access that, the market intelligence with regards to where are the volumes and the, the, maybe the margins, audit trail, downstream support with automating of documents, emails, processes, contracts. So all where we can basically replace manual work, that's our passion, my passion, with kind of like technology support to make stuff more efficient and, and more transparent. Okay, and all this for making easier the investment process. Exactly. Okay, and can you tell us anything about returns? Returns? In terms of our returns or returns for the board or for the investors? Yes. <laughs> of course. <For> the investors. <laughs> yes, yes. So I can talk some numbers, right? Yes, obviously I cannot disclose everything, but so globally, and I'm not going to go into the countries, but globally we have, we have now closed 30 billion euros of financings. Obviously, as I said, stage one, stage two, most of it is public, then, but also quite a junk public near. And since now, one and a half years in the real estate, in the real estate context, that is more than 3,000 transactions we've closed. We have more than 3,000 active borrowers. The deal flow by now internationally overall is, is or has been 83 billion that we've seen. So annualized, let me check. So annualized, we somehow see 20 billion a year of daily. That would be something like 50 million. And uh, yes, and in terms of, in terms of, so returns, basically, as I said, for the borrowers, obviously the benefit is quantitative and qualitative benefits. Qualitative benefit is an audit trail, a large number of, or a larger number of possibilities to diversify the investor base, some efficient processes, those elements. And for the investors, it's, as I said, it's the flow, it's the quality of the document, all those elements. And by doing that, we bring efficiency, which is, you know, which is basically reducing costs in the process, higher quality to do better investment decisions for also the investors, higher market data so they are able to price better and choose basically risk reward better while we bring the reward element, the risk element, and you're gonna we're gonna talk about a minute who is doing the risk part. So we support it, but it's more done by the by by the professional investors. That's basically the qualitative element. And then quantitatively, yes, we do obviously get some better terms for the borrowers and for the investors because of the efficiencies and the quality also opportunities to, to price, to bring their margins through. While obviously as a marketplace, the benefits of basically the, the better terms is a little bit more on the borrower side, of course. We're also compensated by the borrowers, right? So we don't take basically compensation from the investor side. We are compensated by the borrower because at the end of the day, it's anyway the borrower that pays it. Even if it's basically, if other companies take it from the investors, going to put it into the interest rate, at the end of the day, it's the borrower who pays it. So we're very transparent about that. Yes, absolutely. This would be very interesting for the audience, I would think. Yeah. Okay, yeah, thank you. There exist many different fee models and this is one of these. Yes, it's not uncommon. 
Um, and what kind of instruments can be invested? I think about senior loans, junior loans, bonds. What is it that you offer? Yes, so it's in the public segment. It's this kind of like money. It's money market. It's basically money market loans, Einlagen. So they're just the typical stuff. Then you have the normal loans, the loan contracts. You have Schuld, uh, Schuldscheine, Verschreibungen in Germany. They would be called. And then with obviously the in in Switzerland we have private placements that we facilitate. Yeah, and then with obviously now the mortgage loans, it's it's all kinds of mortgage financing. So it's mortgage financing for baukredit, for refinancing, all those kinds of elements. Yeah. Okay, and as regards real estate, it is a first-ranked routine. Yes, it's typically we senior, it's senior, yeah. So we basically go first rank with amortization or we go to uh, you know, first rank and then second rank maybe with amortization. We have had some questions for a mezzanine and stuff, but it's not, as I said before, we come from the AAA, so we can do it, but it's not as scalably supportive. But we, it's not that we, that we say no, but it's not the core right now. I have absolutely understood that you that you come from the triple A level, but nevertheless, I need to ask you this as well because you have already gone beyond this kind of business. And what can you what can you tell us about default rates and distressed loans? Is this any issue for your marketplace? Yeah, as I said before, we come from the AAA, so obviously this is less of a thing we encounter. To be super honest, we again we are not involved in the money flow. We our job is done when we do the financing. But even though we have we have many repeat customers, actually mostly once they once they have enjoyed us, they they come back, which is great for us. But so far we did, but this was not a topic during the fact that public sector. There's no outages or ha there has been one in Switzerland uh, 50 years ago and then the uh, like Leuker Ball measures have been taken in place and stuff like that. In Germany, I'm not aware of one, but then obviously public near could be, but then there's all these support mechanisms and stuff like that. And uh, in the income producing real estate, we're kind of, it's not yet, we have one and a half years. But so far, we hadn't had basically that as a kind of topic. Of course, what we obviously help and facilitate is that the investor can do the investment decision and the element that he needs to do the risk assessment as good as he can. And then he decides either I don't do it or I do it at a higher margin and those kinds of elements to take into consideration the potential risk of outage, of course. Okay. So in a nutshell, it yields this kind of business, yields moderate returns, and there is not a really, it's not really a high risk profile. So this kind of business could be a very advantageous part of an investor's portfolio. Absolutely. Definitely should be, and then subject to the, their investment guidelines and stuff like that. Yes, definitely. Okay. And this is a question I have to pose now that we heard for the first time last year on our first digital lending summit in Cologne from one investor. What happens in case of insolvency of loan books? What, what do have investors, what do they have to expect in regards their, their plans to invest? How do you deal with it? Yes, yeah, so maybe so distinguishing. So the loans that have been facilitated by loan books in that potential hypothetical scenario that I don't think is going to happen, but you never know. The loans have been facilitated by us, as I said, and then it's a direct conversation between the borrower and the direct contract and everything. We're kind of out. So if we're here or not, it doesn't change the game. And then obviously there's the new stuff that we are facilitating and then might not come over our channel anymore. Of course, yes, that would be a pity and we're going to try to prevent that from happening. But I would say from the ongoing business that is done, no problem. 
for the new business, then, then there will be other channels. <laughs> okay. So thank you very much. This was also very interesting to hear your view on the investor side of your marketplace. I think we have now gained a pretty clear picture of what is loan books, how you operate your business and what especially investors can expect. And that brings me to the very last question for today. This is already a tradition because the very last question is some kind of crystal ball question. And the background to this is the current situation due to the interest raise, the current situation of fintechs in Europe, which is, um, yes, quite tough. And up with the future landscape of digital lending in Europe, this is what I would like to hear from you. Where do you see the digital lending ecosystem in five years from now, especially with respect to the current problems we perfectly know? Yes. Very much. The current market is super volatile. And the interesting thing is the volatility in the market, basically in the reference rates and the interest rates, that's at the core of what we do. So in principle, volatility is, we could say, it's good for our business sense because what we do is we help to navigate all this craziness and try to explain and also find the best. Uh, we're very close to the market, obviously, to the, to the exchange changes, to the changes and stuff like that. We can help which is a good message to, to the current borrowers and investors, also to all sides, because we are that, that close. But still, obviously, as you said, it's on the other side, the valuations of fintechs are correlated to the interest rates. So, you know, that, that is obviously the other side, because when you need to refinance and then the valuations have maybe changed and stuff like that, that's the other side. But from a core business, if you're asking me now, our core business, where do I see that or where do I see the digital lending place in principle, I love the question because I personally have I have two kids, as I said before, very beginning. I live also a little bit in the future and always think about how is the work going to look like in the future. But I also realized it's super hard to predict because the, ex the development is not linear. It's more than linear. It's exponential. And as that innovation solves problems, I'm a strong believer that innovation persists when it's good and brings value. And I do think digital lending platforms do very much bring value. So I do think in five years they're still going to be very much around and even more important. I do think there's new technologies that always come, maybe not so much, let's see, but the blockchain technology, not so much the Bitcoin currency stuff, but more the blockchain as such is something you see the stock exchanges and also you mentioned before that vision, I mean, like other platform in that space, they, they, there's stuff like that has been experienced. In my view, that infrastructure needs to be ready to have that. But I think that's something that you see. And I think in five years, basically the custodian services or the tracking, the smart contract or facilitating of contract, there will be some element of that, I think. And we definitely want to be, we haven't done anything because the infrastructure is not ready, but I think that's definitely something that could add to the whole digital lending experience and audit trail and all those elements. And I do think that also institutional investors, they will be more collaborative with kind of like the digital lending spaces because It just makes sense. It works not in all dimensions, but it's something that, that brings value. And if something brings value, there's reason for it to be further developed. And that's my very firm conviction. Oh, great. Really impressive. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I, yes, I'm really impressed by your words. Yes. Thank you very much, Andy, for your time. It was a pleasure to have you here on our podcast. 
Thank you, Constantine. It was great for me. It was funny. It was interesting. It was, yeah, it was also learn, learning, a learning opportunity for me as every, as every exchange and every conversation is, if you have the right attitude. So with that, I uh, hope to see you again soon in the future. And all of you guys that are listening to this, I hope to be in, uh, in touch in some form or other. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you have enjoyed this episode as well. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast and follow us on LinkedIn so that you will never miss our podcast. Furthermore, please note November 23rd, then the second Digital Lending Summit in Frankfurt, Germany takes place. I have already mentioned in the course of the podcast that we had our very first one in Cologne last year. It was really a great success with almost 30 institutional investors from Europe. We would like to repeat it. And uh, yes, this is a place where investors get connected with fintech lenders. It's a unique conference in Europe. More information on digitallenders.eu. Stay safe and sound and see you soon.